recorded live. Hello, this is William Fink, and this is Christogonia Saturdays. Today is Saturday, December 13th, 2014. Praise Yahweh, the God of Israel, and thank you for listening. Tonight I'm going to do something I really didn't plan, but I've had a couple of emails. And, and it seems to me that one of the first places the universalists run to to, um, to try to squeeze beasts into the kingdom of heaven is Isaiah chapter 56. Men are highly prone to doing something called psychological projection. I'm not referring to Freudian projection. Bet you bastard only explained projection in reference to unacceptable psychological attributes and failed to see that it was true in good people, people who are not Jews like Freud, of beneficial and desirable attributes as well. People attribute their own attitudes and feelings and values onto others expecting others to have like feelings, attitudes, and sympathies, whether those attributes are good or bad. That is why when most whites see a nigger in Western clothing, they imagine him to be a person just like them, and they often end up getting raped, robbed, or killed. The Jews have mastered techniques which encapsulate and use this phenomenon of psychological projection to their own advantage. Jews were guilty of the crimes for which they rather persistently and falsely accused Russians and later Germans of doing. Men assume that others think as they do, and they even take that for granted. This also often leads men to form God in their image rather than seeking to conform themselves to the image of God. A man who is a hypocrite forms a hypocritical image of God. Hypocritical, I'm sorry. Thereby imagining the word of God to hypocritically conflict with itself from chapter to chapter. They're hypocrites in their mind. They project that attribute onto God and imagine God to be a hypocrite. In truth, the word of God is consistent and when it is understood in context, it does not conflict with itself at all. But a hypocritical man will nevertheless read it and interpret it according to his own hypocrisy, thereby forever finding conflict within the scriptures, because he has conflict within his mind. In our many Bible commentary podcasts at Christogenia, we have already often discussed Isaiah chapter 56 in one degree or another on several occasions. Here we are going to discuss it once more so that we can present it by itself and hope that it becomes 
a resource for those who would like to know the truth about this often abused passage of Scripture. Indeed, there are many individuals who abuse Isaiah chapter 56, removing it entirely from its scriptural context in order to force a message of universalism and racial egalitarianism onto Christian Israel. They want to project their egalitarianism onto God. So they search for passages which support, or which apparently, to them at least, support their egalitarianism, thereby making the God of the Bible a hypocrite, like they are hypocrites. You won't succeed in forming God in your image. That is idolatry. You're making your own God. You are an idolater. These people actually think that they could pick up a book and begin reading it 80% in from its beginning, skipping over the first four-fifths of the book. And they imagine that they could still understand what it says in the end. In truth, unless one knows a topic at least as well as its original author, one cannot ever do this with any book, let alone the Bible, without proving oneself to be a fool. However, the result is that these people invent fantastic interpretations about the end of the book, and they insist that those interpretations are true, while they remain blindly ignorant to the book's true purpose. The Universalists are indeed, as we shall see, greedy dogs which can never have enough, and shepherds that cannot understand. If they do not repent, they shall indeed die in their own conceit. The first 40 chapters of Isaiah are mostly prophecies to Israel before and leading up to the final end of the ancient kingdom. Some of those chapters also foretell the ultimate destruction of Israel's enemies. The, last, the entire last 26 chapters of Isaiah are written to the children of Israel as if they were all already in dispersion. And indeed, Isaiah was writing those chapters as the children of Israel had gone off into the Assyrian captivity. And many of the children of Israel had left to inhabit the islands and coastlands of the West long before that. These chapters focus on the redemption of Israel and how that redemption would be effected, although there are also messianic prophecies in the first 40 chapters and some important ones. The context is clear throughout these chapters that they apply only to the dispersed children of Israel, where over and over again the relationship between Yahweh and Israel is spelled out, is reinforced explicitly. We're going to read some pieces of Isaiah, starting with chapter 41. 
through chapter 54 before we discuss chapter 56. These pieces of Isaiah, which we are going to read, are exemplary. They are the context of the book. And no part of this book can be taken outside of that context and interpreted privately. Isaiah, chapter 41, verse 1. Keep silence before me, O islands, and let the people renew their strength. Why did the people have to renew their strength? Because, for the most part, to a great degree, they were all carted into captivity by the Assyrians. Let them come near, then let them speak. Let us come near together to judgment. And to skip to verse 8. But thou, Israel, art my servant. Jacob, whom I have chosen. When you get to the New Testament and you want to know who God chose, where he says, you have not chosen me, I have chosen you, you have to consider this passage in Isaiah. And there's nowhere in any biblical prophet where it says that God chose non-Israelites. for salvation. Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend, thou whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called thee from the chief men thereof and said unto thee, thou art my servant, I have chosen thee and not cast thee away, even though they were all being taken off into the Assyrian captivity. Fear thou not, for I am with thee, being not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yeah, I will help thee, yeah, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. And on to verse 13, for I, Yahweh thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. Fear not, thou worm Jacob, and ye men of Israel. I will help thee, saith Yahweh, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Behold, I will make thee a new sharp threshing instrument having teeth. Thou shalt thresh the mountains and beat them small. This is in spite of the fact that the children of Israel are the least of the nations at this moment, being taken away into the Assyrian captivity. And shalt make the hills as chaff. Thou shalt fan them, and the wind shall carry them away, and the whirlwind shall scatter them. And thou shalt rejoice in Yahweh, and shalt glory in the Holy One of Israel. When the poor and needy seek water, and there is none, and their tongue faileth for thirst, I, Yahweh, will hear them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. We should think about that when Christ talks about the fountain of living waters in John chapter 4. I will open rivers in the high places and fountains in the midst of the valleys. 
I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. I will plant in the wilderness the cedar, the shita tree, and the myrtle, and the oil tree. I will set in the desert the fir tree and the pine and a box tree together. These are all the tribes of Israel. That they may see and know and consider and understand together that the hand of Yahweh has done this and the Holy One of Israel has created it. The woman in Revelation 12 with the 12 stars fleeing to the desert, taken off by the angels to the desert where she would find rest for 1260 years. Keep silence before me, O islands, and let the people renew their strength in the wilderness. Cross-reference this passage of Isaiah to Revelation chapter 12. Isaiah chapter 42, from verse 16. And I will bring the blind, Israel, and I will bring the blind by a way that they knew not. I will lead them in paths that they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked things straight. These things I will do unto them and not forsake them. They shall be turned back. They shall be greatly ashamed that trust in graven images that say to the molten images, ye are our gods. We'll establish that Israel was taken off to separate Israel from idolatry. Hear ye deaf, and look ye blind, that ye may see. Who is blind but my servant, or deaf is my messenger that I send? Who is blind is he that is perfect, and blind is Yahweh's servant? Seeing many things, but thou observest not, opening the ears, but he heareth not. Yahweh is well pleased for his righteousness' sake. He will magnify the law and make it honorable. But this is a people robbed and spoiled. They are all of them snared in holes, the Assyrian captivity. And they are hid in prison houses. They are for a prey and none deliberate, for a spoil and none saith restore. Who among you will give ear to this? Who will hearken? And here for the time to come, who gave Jacob for a spoil and Israel to the robbers? Did not Yahweh, he against whom we have sinned? For they would not walk in his ways, neither were they obedient unto his law. Therefore he has poured upon him the fury of his anger and the strength of battle. And it has set him on fire round about, yet he knew it not. And it burned him, yet he laid it not to heart. The Israelites didn't even realize why they were being punished when it happened. They only realized afterwards. Isaiah chapter 43, 1. But now, thus saith Yahweh that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. Jesus Christ, the Redeemer redeemed nobody else. There's no indication whatsoever in Scripture that he redeemed any other people but Israel. He explicitly said 
that he redeemed Israel. I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. Here we can establish that this is indeed about the Assyrian captivity. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am Yahweh thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom. Who did he give the formerly white Egyptians to? Because they're black now. Ethiopia and Sheba for thee. Who did Yahweh give the formerly white Cushites called Ethiopians? Who did he give them to? Because they're black now. Who did he give the Sabians to? Because they're black now. If they were de descendants of Noah, if they were great white nations, why are they niggers now? Since thou wast precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee, and people for thy life. It's a testament to God. The hellhole laying in the Middle East, in Egypt, in, in the former lands of the Sabians and Ethiopians, that hellhole, that genetic cesspool is a testament to the truth of the word of God. Since thou was precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee, and people for thy life. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east, and gather thee from the west. Yahweh is saying exactly who he plans to gather at some so far unfulfilled point in the future. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. This is Israeli captivity. These are the places they would be scattered to. Even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed him. Yeah, I have made him. Bring forth the blind people that have eyes and the deaf that have ears. Thus saith Yahweh, your Redeemer, not the, not the Redeemer of the Ethiopians and the Egyptians who he gave up, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I have sent to Babylon and have brought down all their nobles, and the Chaldeans, whose cry is in the ships. I am Yahweh, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall ye not know it. I will even make a way in the wilderness, and rivers in the desert, the woman that fled to the wilderness. The beast of the field shall honor me, the dragons and the owls, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert 
to give drink to my people, my chosen. This people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. But thou hast not called upon me, O Jacob. But thou hast been weary of me, O Israel. Thou hast not brought me the small cattle of thy burnt offerings, neither hast thou honored me with thy sacrifices. I have not caused thee to serve with an offering, nor wearied thee with incense. Thou hast brought me no sweet cane with money, neither hast thou filled me with the fat of thy sacrifices, but thou hast made me to serve with thy sins. Thou hast wearied me with thine iniquities. I, even I, and he that blots out thy transgressions for my own sake. He's not exchanging Israel for anybody else. And will not remember thy sins. Put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. Declare thou that thou mayest be justified. Thy first father had sinned, and thy teachers have transgressed against me. Therefore I have profaned the princes of the sanctuary, and have given Jacob to the curse, and Israel to reproaches. But he would not exchange them for another people. Isaiah chapter 44. Yet now hear, O Jacob my servant, and Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus saith Yahweh that made thee and formed thee from the womb, who will help thee. Fear not, O Jacob my servant, and thou, Jesurun, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty, and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed, and my blessing upon thine offspring. And they shall spring up as among the grass, as willows by the watercourses. One shall say, I am Yahweh's. And another shall call himself by the name of Jacob. And another shall subscribe with his hand unto Yahweh and surname himself by the name of Israel. Thus saith Yahweh the king of Israel, and his Redeemer, Yahweh of hosts. I am first, I am the last, and beside me there is no God. And who, as I, shall call and shall declare it, and set it in order for me, since I appointed the ancient people, Israel. And the things that are coming and shall come, let them show unto them. And to skip to verse 21. Remember these, O Jacob and Israel, for thou art my servant, I have formed thee. Thou art my servant, O Israel, shall not be forgotten of me. I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions, and as a cloud thy sins. Return unto me, for I have redeemed thee. That return, of course, was in Christ. Sing, O ye heavens, for Yahweh has done it. Shout, ye lower parts of the earth. Break forth into singing, ye mountains. 
O forest, and every tree therein, for Yahweh has redeemed Jacob and glorified himself in Israel. Where does it ever say in Scripture that Yahweh has redeemed anyone else? Isaiah 45, 17. But Israel shall be saved in Yahweh with an everlasting salvation. Ye shall not be ashamed nor confounded, world without end. For thus saith Yahweh that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he has established it, he created it, not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am Yahweh, and there is none else. I have not spoken in secret in a dark place of the earth. I said not under the seed of Jacob, seek ye me in vain. I, Yahweh, speak righteousness. I declare things that are right. In Yahweh shall all the seed of Israel be justified and shall glory. Isaiah chapter 46, verse 3. Hearken unto me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, which are born by me from the belly, and which are carried from the womb. And even to your old age I am he. Even to the whore hairs will I carry you. I have made and I will bear. I will even carry and will deliver you. Isaiah chapter 48, verse 1. Hear ye this, O house of Jacob, which are called by the name of Israel, and are come forth out of the waters of Judah, which swear by the name of Yahweh, and make mention of the God of Israel, but not in truth, nor in righteousness. And skipping to verse 12. Hearken unto me, O Jacob and Israel, my called, no matter how they treat Yahweh their God, no matter how badly they are still his people, they are still his called. He will still grant them salvation and mercy time and time again throughout the words of the prophet Isaiah. Hearken unto me. O Jacob and Israel, my called, I am he, I am the first, I am also the last. Thus saith Yahweh, thy Redeemer, skipping to verse 17, the Holy One of Israel, I am Yahweh thy God, who teaches thee to profit, who leads thee by the way that thou shouldest go. And they could take the long way or the short way, Evidently, since, since they aren't there yet, they've taken the long way. Isaiah chapter 49, verse 1. Listen, O isles, unto me, and hearken, ye people, from afar. They're already far off in captivity, prophetically, even if they're not quite there yet physically. Yahweh has called me from the womb, from the bowels of my mother he has made mention of my name, and he has made my mouth like a sharp sword, in the shadow of his hand has he hid me, 
and made me a polished shaft. In his quiver has he hid me, and said unto me, Thou art my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. In spite of all their sins, their obstinance, their stiff necks. And he said, It is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. Messianic prophecy. We see its purpose here, to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the nations that thou mayest be my salvation under the end of the earth. Israel was to be spread to the ends of the earth in their captivity. Thus saith Yahweh, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, to whom man, to him whom man despises, to him whom the nation abhors, to be a servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise, princes also shall worship because of Yahweh that is faithful and the Holy One of Israel, and he shall choose thee. Thus saith Yahweh, In an acceptable time have I heard thee, and in a day of salvation have I helped thee, and I will preserve thee, because he formed the earth to be inhabited. I will preserve thee, speaking exclusively to the children of Israel, to give thee for a covenant of the people to establish the earth to cause to inherit the desolate heritage that thou mayest say to the prisoners, those in captivity, go forth to them that are in darkness, show yourselves. They shall feed thee in a ways, and their pastures shall be in all high places. They shall not hunger nor thirst, neither shall they heed nor son smite them. This is the same language we see in the revelation concerning the 12 tribes of Israel in the city of God. And nobody else is there because Yahweh formed the earth to be inhabited with his people. For he that has mercy on them shall lead them. Even by the springs of the water shall he guide them. And I will make all my mountains away, and my highways shall be exalted. Behold, these shall come from afar, and lo, these from the north and from the west, and these from the land of sinning. Sing, O heavens, and be joyful, O earth, and break forth into singing, O mountains, for Yahweh has comforted his people, and will have mercy upon his afflicted. But Zion said, Yahweh has forsaken me, and my Lord has forgotten me. It's not true. That was Israel's attitude in their captivity, in their time of travail. Can a woman forget her suckling child, that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yeah, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. Thy children shall make haste. Thy destroyers, and they that made thee waste, shall go forth of thee. Lift up mine eyes round about. And behold, 
all these gather themselves together and come to thee. As I live, saith Yahweh, thou shalt surely clothe thee with them all, as with an ornament, and bind them on thee as a bride does. For thy waste and thy desolate places and the land of thy destruction, meaning Palestine, shall even now be too narrow by reason of the inhabitants, and they that swallow thee up shall be far away. The children which thou shalt have, this is important, it's the context of part of Isaiah 56, the children which thou shalt have after thou hast lost the other shall say again in thine ears, the place is too straight for me. Give me place that I may dwell. Then shalt thou say in thine heart, who has begotten me thee, seeing I have lost my children and am desolate a captive and removing to and fro. Who has brought up these? Behold, I was left alone. This is a dialogue. It is Israel, the nation speaking. Behold, I was left alone. These, where had they been? Thus saith Yahweh God, Behold, I will lift up mine hand to the nations and set up my standard to the people, and they shall bring thy sons in their arms, and thy daughters shall be carried upon their shoulders. And kings shall be thy nursing fathers, and their queens thy nursing mothers. They shall bow down to thee with their face toward the earth, and lick up the dust of thy feet. And thou shalt know that I am Yahweh, for they shall not be ashamed that wait for me. Shall the prey be taken from the mighty, or the lawful captive delivered? But thus saith Yahweh, even the captives of the mighty shall be taken away, and the prey of the terrible shall be delivered. For I will contend with him that contends with thee, and I will save thy children, Israel in captivity. And I will feed them that oppress thee with their own flesh, and they shall be drunken with their own blood, as with sweet wine. And all flesh shall know that I am Yahweh thy Savior and thy Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Deliverance from the Assyrian and ostensibly the Babylonian captivities. Isaiah chapter 51. Verse 1. Hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness. Ye that seek Yahweh. Look unto the rock whence ye are hewn, and unto the hole of the pit whence ye are digged. Look unto Abraham your father, and unto Sarah that bare you. For I called him alone, and blessed him and increased him. Nobody else can be called except for the increase of Abraham in Israel. For Yahweh shall comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places, and he will make her wilderness like Eden 
and her desert like the garden of Yahweh. Joy and gladness shall be found therein, thanksgiving and the voice of melody. Hearken unto me, my people, and give ear unto me, O my nation. For law shall proceed from me, and I will make my judgment to rest for the light of the people. My righteousness is near, my salvation is gone forth, and mine arm shall judge the people. The isles shall wait upon me, and on mine arm shall they trust. Those same isles where the children of Israel are given rest. Isaiah 41. Finally, Isaiah chapter 54 verses 1 through 8, which helps to set the context for Isaiah chapter 56. Because the chapter divisions are not our friends. They help us find things. Yes, they do. And that's what they're intended for, to help us catalog the scriptures in our minds. They're not good for much else. They hurt us because when people see the chapter divisions, they have this mistaken notion that somehow the context breaks and a new story starts. And that's the way they often interpret the scripture. When we get to Isaiah chapter... When we get to Isaiah chapter 56... It's not a new story. Some new topic did not start at Isaiah chapter 55-1 or Isaiah chapter 56-1. It's a continuance of everything we've read in Isaiah. And the subject is the same. Here Yahweh addresses the children of Israel as the barren that did not bear. And the subject is the same. The subject in Isaiah 55 is still the children of Israel. The subject in Isaiah 56 is still the children of Israel in their captivity. It doesn't change to some other race or some other nation. There's nothing like that in the text that could indicate that. The chapter divisions are artificial. They were put into place by medieval monks. They don't belong. They help us because they help us find things in catalog scripture. But they don't belong in the narrative. They don't break the narrative. That, that idea is absurd. You think Isaiah's words should be broken up by some Catholic cleric 12, 14, 1600 years later? That's ridiculous. It's the Catholic cleric who is arbitrarily creating chapter divisions that Isaiah himself did not create. Isaiah chapter 54, 1 through 8, helps set the context for Isaiah chapter 56, as all these passages we've just read help set that context. 
Sing, O barren, that did not bear. Break forth in the singing, and cry aloud, Thou that did not travail with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wives, saith Yahweh. In other words, Israel would have more children in captivity than she had in Palestine when she had a husband in Yahweh. The children of the desolate are the children of alienated Israel, put off in divorce. Israel would have more children in captivity, as we see in Isaiah chapter 49, verse 20, where it's already admitted, where it says, the children which thou shalt have after thou hast lost the other. And a few verses later, Israel admits being desolate. So the children of the desolate are the children of Israel in captivity. Isaiah 49:21. Then thou shalt say in thine heart, Who has begotten me thee? Seeing I have lost my children and am desolate. So Isaiah, the context of Isaiah insists that the children of the desolate are the children of Israel in captivity and the children of the married wife are the children of Israel before Yahweh put Israel away. The children of the desolate are defined in Isaiah chapter 49. Who has begotten me thee, seeing I have lost my children and am desolate? And all those children are begotten by Israel, because in Isaiah 49.20, Yahweh talks about the children which thou shalt have after thou hast lost the other. The losing of the other children was the destruction of the old kingdom of Israel, the children of the married wife. Sing, O barren that did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, thou that did not travail a child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith Yahweh. Enlarge the place of thy tent, we've read in, in, in Isaiah chapter 40-something, several times that Israel would say that this place, this desolate place, is even too narrow for me because of the number of the inhabitants. Enlarge the place of thy tent, and let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitations. The people of Israel taken off into Assyrian captivity spread themselves from Asia all the way to Europe and became the Germanic tribes and related peoples. They enlarged the place of their tent. Spare not, lengthen thy cords and strengthen thy stakes. 
For thou shalt break forth on the right hand into Asia, and on the left into Europe, depending on which place you're facing. And thy seed shall inherit the nations, and they did, and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. Fear not, for thou shalt not be ashamed, neither be thou confounded, for thou shalt not be put to shame. For thou shalt not, I'm sorry, for thou shalt forget the shame of thy youth, and shalt not remember the reproach of thy widowhood, the children of the desolate, the reproach of thy widowhood anymore. The children of Israel sinned in their national youth, and therefore Yahweh, their husband, put them out, making the nation as if it were widowed. It actually did become widowed when Yahweh hung on the cross. For thy maker is thine husband. Yahweh of hosts is his name. And thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth, shall he be called. Because, well, Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 11, explains that. For Yahweh has called thee as a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit, and a wife of youth, when thou wast refused, saith thy God. And this describes Israel having been put away but looks forward to a re reconciliation as Hosea chapter 2 explains. For a small moment have I forsaken thee, but with great mercies will I gather thee, meaning Israel and nobody else. In a little wrath I hid my face from thee for a moment, a 750-year moment until they were redeemed in Christ, and their reconciliation began in the spread of the gospel. But with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on thee, saith Yahweh, thy Redeemer. That's the context for Isaiah chapter 56. Now we shall examine Isaiah chapter 56. The Universalists love to twist particular verses of Isaiah out of context, but this is the context. They can only apply to the very same children of Israel who are being discussed throughout all these chapters of Isaiah, who were cast off from the ancient kingdom of God in Israel. These can only apply to the children of Israel in their dispersion. Thus saith Yahweh, keep ye judgment and do justice. Only the children of Israel can keep that judgment. Only the children of Israel had the law. Yahweh, throughout all these chapters, was appealing only to the children of Israel to do righteously. For my salvation is near to come, and my righteousness is to be revealed. Blessed is the man that doeth this, and the son of man that layeth hold on it, that keeps the Sabbath from polluting it, and keeps his hand from doing any evil. This is an appeal by Yahweh to the children of Israel to keep his laws, to seek to keep his laws even in their captivity. This does not 
suddenly admit any foreigners. Rather, those outcasts of Israel who sought to continue in the commandments would be blessed, which is the natural result of keeping his commandments. This can only include Israel, because nobody else was even cognizant of the laws and Sabbaths which were required by God only of Israel. Who can keep the law? Who can keep the Sabbath? Psalm 78, verse 5. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. Psalm 105, verses 6 to 10. O ye seed of Abraham, his servant, ye children of Jacob, his chosen. Sounds just like Isaiah. He is Yahweh our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He has remembered his covenant forever, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations, which covenant he made with Abraham and his oath unto Isaac, and confirmed the same unto Jacob for a law, and to Israel for an everlasting covenant. Psalm 147. He showeth his word, unto Jacob, his statutes and his judgments unto Israel. He has not dealt so with any nation. And as for his judgments, they have not known them. Praise ye Yahweh. Nobody else but Israel, as the references in the Psalms just quoted fully demonstrate, could have possibly sought to keep the Sabbaths and the laws of God. For that reason alone, references to those keeping them in Isaiah chapter 56 must be references to Israelites. The nation is put away for iniquity. They are put out of the sight of Yahweh. The wife is divorced. Yet here there is a promise that Yahweh would provide for the individuals of that nation who did not practice that iniquity, but rather took it upon their own initiative to seek his justice. Isaiah 56.3 Neither let the son of the stranger that has joined himself to Yahweh speak, saying, Yahweh has utterly separated me from his people. Neither let the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. The stranger is an estranged one, a man who has been estranged. Referring to the estranged Israelites who were deported by the Assyrians, who were taken away from God, who were alienated from God. The children of Israel were already a separate people under God. Amos. Amos was a contemporary of Isaiah. Check his book. They were writing at the same time. Amos had written of Israel the words of Yahweh. You only have I known of all the families of the earth. 
So how could these strangers belong to any other family? No other family ever had his law. The other families were already, according to the law of God, separated from the children of Israel. Oh, for about 800 years. So what eunuch is going to say, or what stranger is going to say, Yahweh has utterly separated me from his people. Only Israelites in the law of God should have been joined to Israelites. If anybody else was joined to Israelites, they were committing fornication. They were sinning. The estranged ones must be from those of his people Israel in the first place because Israel was already separated from all other peoples, if not in practice, certainly in law and by the commandment of God. If they were not separated in practice, it was because they were committing sin. The son of the stranger here represents the descendants of the same outcast of Israel who were estranged by Yahweh and therefore were as good as strangers to Yahweh. While the nation was outcast, the individuals who kept his ways during the estrangement were here promised an ultimate reward. Another place where they're promised a reward for keeping his law is Ezekiel chapter 33 in different language. None of this can include non-Israel peoples because Yahweh had already separated non-Israel peoples a thousand years before this time at Mount Sinai. More like 800, but that's okay. Here, those cast-off Israelites who choose to keep his ways are reassured that they would not be separated from being counted among his people. The only way they could say that Yahweh has utterly separated me from his people is if they were his people in the first place. And therefore, the allegorical eunuchs who may have said this could only be of Israel. They were estranged. Therefore, they were figuratively strangers, and they were figuratively eunuchs. That estrangement ended with the re reconciliation of the cross of Christ. The Apostle Peter wrote in his epistle, his first epistle, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who Peter nevertheless called elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Now, of course, God said he only chose or elected Israel. And he only knew Israel, as he says in Amos chapter 3. So it can only be Israelites who are the elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. And they are the strangers. And later in that same epistle, Peter says to them, but ye are a chosen race, 
the word is generation in the King James Version. It means race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, the same language we see in Exodus 19, that ye should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness. What does Isaiah say? Bring forth the blind that have eyes. Bring the people out of darkness. Bring them out of the prison houses. Peter's talking about dispersed Israelites. And he says, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And this language is only applicable to the children of Israel of the dispersion, since only Israel was ever a chosen race, a holy nation. And what Peter refers to here is a direct citation from Hosea chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. Or Hosea chapter 2, verse 23, prophecies of what Yahweh had intended to do with the children of Israel, to make them not his people, so that later on they could be called his people and the children of God once again. Peter then calls them strangers again in 1 Peter 2.11. And says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, the strangers of Isaiah are the estranged Israelites, and they are the strangers of Peter. This is also evident in Paul's epistle to the Ephesians. And the Ephesians were also descendants of the ancient Israelites. And Paul says, On which account you must remember that at one time you, the nations in the flesh, the nations of Israel in the flesh, who are the so-called uncircumcised by the so-called circumcised made by, made by hand in the flesh, because you had at that time been apart from Christ, having been alienated from the civic life of Israel, and strangers of the covenants of the promise, because they were put off by God not having hope, and in a society without God. But now, you among the number of Christ, who at one time, being far away, have become near by the blood of Christ. And Paul is speaking of the very reconciliation of the descendants of the ancient Israelites to God through Christ. The New Testament proves the contextual and historical interpretation of the Old Testament. It's the only valid interpretation. The dry tree. Neither let the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. Israel is described variously as a tree or a vine. When Israel is obedient to Yahweh, she is a green fir tree or an olive tree, or a fruitful bow or vine. When Israel is disobedient and sinful, Yahweh sends her into punishment, and she becomes a dry tree, a withered bow. Here is one example from Ezekiel chapter 19. Moreover, take up thou a lamentation for the princes of Israel. Ezekiel is writing almost 80 years after the Assyrians deported 
most of Israel and much of Judah, and say, What is thy mother? A lioness, she lay down among the lions. She nourished her whelps among young lions. And she brought up one of her whelps. It became a young lion, and it learned to catch the prey. It devoured man. The nations also heard of him. He was taken in their pit, and they brought him with chains into the land of Egypt. Now when she saw that, she had waited, and her hope was lost. Then she took another of her whelps and made him a young lion, and he went up and down among the lions. He became a young lion and learned to catch the prey and devoured men. And he knew their desolate palaces, and he laid waste their cities, and the land was desolate, and the fullness thereof, but a noise of his roaring. Then the nations set against him on every side from the provinces, and spread their net over him. He was taken in their pit, and they put him in war chains, and brought him to the king of Babylon, and brought him into the holds, that his voice should no more be heard upon the mountains of Israel. Thy mother is like a vine in thy blood, planted by the waters. She was fruitful and full of branches by reason of many waters. She had strong rods for the scepters of them that bear rule, and her stature was exalted among the thick branches. She appeared in her height with the multitude of her branches, but she was plucked up in fury. She was cast down to the ground, and the east wind dried up her fruit the withered dry tree. Her strong rods were broken and withered, and fire consumed them. And now she is planted in the wilderness, in a dry and thirsty ground, the children of Israel. And fire has gone out of a rod of her branches, which has devoured her fruit, so that she has no strong rod to be a scepter to rule. This is a lamentation and shall be for a lamentation. Here is another example from Psalm 80. Psalm 80 was written by Asaph. The Psalms of Asaph are distinct from the Psalms of David. Asaph was writing after Israel was in captivity. He was writing from the captivity. Turn us again, O God of hosts, and cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. Thou hast brought a vine out of Egypt, and thou hast cast out the heathen and planted it. Thou preparest room before it, and did cause it to take deep root, and it filled the land. Of course, the vine is Israel. The hills were covered with the shadow of it, and the bows thereof were like goodly cedars. She sent out her bows under the sea and her branches under the river. Why hast thou then broken down her hedges, so that all they which pass by the way do pluck her? The boar out of the wood does waste it, and the wild beast of the field does devour it. Return, we beseech thee, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven, and behold, and visit this vine and the vineyard which thy right hand is planted, and the branch that thou madest strong for thyself, it is burned with fire, it is cut down, they perish at the rebuke of thy countenance. The dry tree is Israel in captivity. Here is another example from Hosea chapter 10. 
Israel is an empty vine. He brings forth fruit unto himself. According to the multitude of his fruit, he has increased the altars. According to the goodness of his land, they have made goodly images. Israel is an empty vine. This allegory is much like the one we see concerning Israel in Isaiah chapter 56, which uses the allegory of a dry tree, a tree that can bear no fruit for God. Here, the fruit of Israel was considered as nothing, and Israel as an empty vine because of idolatry. In Isaiah chapter 27, we see that Israel would bear plentiful fruit once he was removed from idolatry. For it says from verse 6, He shall cause them that come out of Jacob to take root. Israel shall blossom and bud and fill the face of the world with fruit. As he smitten him, as he smote those that smote him. In other words, Yahweh smote those that smote Israel, but had not smitten Israel. Or is he slain according to the slaughter of them that are slain by him? In measure, when it shoots forth, thou wilt debate with it. He stayeth his rough wind in the day of the east wind. When Israel shoots forth, he will be corrected and not smitten or slain. By this, therefore, shall the iniquity of Jacob be purged. And this is all the fruit to take away his sin. When he makes all the stones of the altar as chalk stones that are beaten in sunder, the groves and the images shall not stand up. Israel will find redemption in a departure from idolatry, and Israel's fruit will once again be fruitful. No more dry tree. For thus saith Yahweh unto the eunuchs that keep my Sabbaths, and choose the things that please me, and take hold of my covenant. Now those covenants, according to Isaiah, just a couple of chapters ago, were made with the seed of Abraham, with the seed of Jacob, for a thousand generations. How could Yahweh say that a non-Israelite could take hold of the covenant? Is God a hypocrite? Does he make himself a liar? Of course not. The people who interpret Isaiah chapter 56 to support universalism, they are the hypocrites. They are the liars. A thousand generations, the covenant would be with Abraham and his seed. These eunuchs are estranged Israelites. They can't be anything else. A eunuch from some other nation wouldn't know to keep the Sabbath, wouldn't know the law because Yahweh did not give the law to any other nation. What it say in Psalm 147? Is the psalmist a liar? Or are the universalist interpreters of Isaiah 56 liars? They are the liars. The people who would make the God of Israel a universalist would make him a hypocrite. He is no hypocrite. They 
are the liars. They are the hypocrites, trying to form the God of the Bible in their hypocritical image. It doesn't work. The word of God is not hypocritical. The eunuchs are the children of Israel in punishment. And Yahweh says, even unto them, when they choose the things that please him, when they cling to the covenant of their fathers, and when they keep the Sabbaths, Yahweh will give unto them, even unto them will I give in mine house and within my walls a place and a name better than that of sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Does that mean they're not sons and daughters? Of course it doesn't. They are indeed sons and daughters and will be given a name better than that. Deuteronomy 23, verse 1. He that is wounded in the stones, eunuchs have their stones cut off, or has his privy member cut off, ouch, shall not enter into the congregation of Yahweh. Real eunuchs are excluded from the congregation of Yahweh for reasons reserved to him. And it would be silly to imagine that out of all the other people in the world, Yahweh would only mean to describe literal eunuchs here in the first place. It being contrary to his own law, only a simple-minded idiot could imagine that Yahweh referred to an actual, literal eunuch here in this passage. He can only be referring to a child of Israel, a male in Israel, who is a figurative eunuch for some other reason. He's not referring to literal eunuchs from other nations. These people would try to take advantage of these couple of verses in Isaiah to make Yahweh break his own covenants and his own promises. They are the hypocrites. A eunuch is a male version of a barren woman who cannot have children. What did we just read in Isaiah 6? Isaiah chapter 54. Sing, O barren, that did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, thou that did not travail with child. A eunuch is a male version of a barren woman who cannot have children. And Yahweh, forsaking the children of Israel, to him they became as if they were eunuchs. Eunuch is simply another way of referring to an estranged Israelite. Aside from the passages concerning Israel being desolate, and losing her children, which we have already seen in Isaiah, we shall now cite several passages from Hosea which illustrate that Israel became such a eunuch to Yahweh, a man without children, when the nation was cast off, and therefore individual Israelites are the 
allegorical eunuchs of Isaiah 56, and each of these verses promises a reconciliation between Yahweh and those very same children of Israel. Hosea 1.10, yet the, which we saw in Peter, yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured nor numbered, and it shall come to pass in a place where it was said to them, meaning to Israel, ye are not my people. There, in that same place, in captivity, it shall be said to them, meaning the children of Israel, ye are the sons of the living God. Now, where is that promise for anybody else but the children of Israel? Nowhere. So when Peter repeats it, it can only refer to the children of Israel. Because that's how Yahweh used the term in Hosea. During the period of alienation from Yahweh, the children of Israel were not recognized as children to him. This is an allegory, and it is also promised that nevertheless, one day, it would be explained to those very same people that they are indeed his children. However, in the period of alienation, because their fruit was worthless to Yahweh, the men of Israel may be considered to be eunuchs. Hosea chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. Yahweh speaking to Israel. And I will not have mercy upon her children, for they be the children of whoredoms. For their mother has played the harlot. She that conceived them has done shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers that give me my bread and my water, my wool and my flax, mine oil and my drink. Yahweh does not like international trade. Therefore, behold, I will hedge up thy way with thorns and make a wall that she shall not find her paths. In other words, the captivity of Israel shall not return to Palestine. And she shall follow after her lovers, the alien nations. But she shall not overtake them. And she shall seek them, but shall not find them. Then she shall say, I will go and return to my first husband, Yahweh. For then it was better with me than now, and that return was in Christ. Again, we see a prophecy of estrangement and then a reconciliation. The prophecy of Daniel concerning Christ at Daniel 9.24 gave us the purposes for the Messiah. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, and to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness. to anoint the most holy. The Apostle John explained that when he said, the anointing which you have received from him, it abides in you, and you have no need that one should teach you. 
but as his anointing teaches us concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, then just as he has taught you, you abide in him. The purpose of Christ is to offer reconciliation and to offer his anointing to those of his people Israel who would choose to accept it. Now, if Yahweh God had chastised Israel for going after the people in God to the other nations to seek their goods in commerce, would Yahweh himself not be a hypocrite for seeking the people of the other nations to take hold of his covenant, which was never made with them? Hosea chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king, and without a prince, and without a sacrifice, and without an image, and without an ephod, and without teraphim, all the symbols of their national heritage. Afterward shall the children of Israel return and seek Yahweh their God and David their king, and shall fear Yahweh and his goodness in latter days. Again, we see the promise of the reconciliation of Israel to God. And Paul explains that to be his ministry at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where he states, but all things from Yahweh, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ. Paul had proven in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that the Corinthians were indeed children of Israel. How that Yahweh was within Christ reconciling the society to himself, not accounting their offenses to them, and placing in us the word of that reconciliation. Paul knew that the nations which he went to were the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and he knew that his message was one of reconciliation between Israel and God, as promised in the prophets throughout. Hosea, Isaiah, as we have just seen, and as he explains in his epistles. Hosea 9.12, showing that the men of Israel would indeed be like eunuchs. Though they bring up their children, yet will I bereave them, that there shall not be a man left. Yeah, woe also unto them, when I depart from that. Hosea 9.12 contains the same message as Isaiah 49 from verse 19. For thy waste and thy desolate places in the land of thy destruction shall even now be too narrow by reason of the inhabitants, and they that swallow thee up shall be far away. The children which thou shalt have after thou hast lost the other, where Yahweh says in Hosea, I will bereave them. Shall say again in nine years, the place is too straight for me. Give place to me that I may dwell. Then shalt thou say in thine heart, who has begotten me thee, seeing I have lost my children and am desolate, a captive and removing to and fro. The children of Israel were as eunuchs to God until the promised reconciliation in Christ, which Daniel 9.24 says is to make reconciliation for iniquity. The Bible is a consistent book with a consistent message from cover to cover, unless you're a hypocrite and you need to form God in your image 
because you don't like his message. You need your own. Because you just can't handle the command to be a separate people for one reason or another. Also, the sons of the stranger to join themselves to Yahweh, to serve him, and to love the name of Yahweh, to be his servants. Out of the Israelites, O Jacob, my servant, O Israel, whom I have chosen, who were given the law, who were given the service, according to Paul in Romans chapter 9, and nobody else had the covenants. To be his servants, everyone that keeps the Sabbath from polluting it and takes hold of my covenant. Israel is the servant race of God, and we choose to serve him. We as individuals, even if we are cast-off eunuchs. A stranger here is one who had been alienated from God in the captivity. So this is addressed to the sons of the stranger. The children that Israel would have after she had lost the others. The context can only include the children of Israel. All of the Israelites of the captivity were the sons and daughters of God. Yahweh said of Israel in Deuteronomy 14.1 that ye are the children of Yahweh your God. Here we see that if, in the captivity, any one of them remained within the covenant agreement, which they all knew about, and decided to keep his laws and his Sabbaths, that being the sons and daughters of God, they would be given a reward greater than sons and daughters of God. The other nations are not a factor here. The other races, no matter what you want to think of them, are simply not a factor here because they were never the servants of God. Yahweh calls Jacob his servant throughout Isaiah chapter 40-something because he says it 6, 8, 10, 12 times in those chapters. Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen, over and over again. But Jacob is put off into captivity. Well, those individual Israelites who choose voluntarily to continue to serve their God, even though their nation is in captivity, the attitude is reflected throughout the Psalms of Asaph. They would be given a place better than sons and daughters if they so chose on their own volition to continue in the law and the Sabbaths and to please Yahweh their God. Isaiah 56, 7. Even them will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. 
Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon my altar, for my house shall be a house of prayer, shall be called a house of prayer for all people. Wow. For all of the people. The Hebrew contains a definite article, the people, which was omitted in the King James Version translation. Imagine that. It clearly states in Hebrew that my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the people. Every word says the people in Isaiah referring to the children of Israel. Take out the article and imagine it to mean all peoples everywhere, no matter their race or nationality. That's ridiculous. What if... um? What if Isaiah 51, 4 said, Hearken unto me, my people, and give ear unto me, O my nation, for a law shall proceed from me, and I will make my judgment to rest for a light of people. What if it said that? Wouldn't that be dishonest? My righteousness is near, Isaiah 51, 5. My salvation is gone forth, mine arms, my arms shall judge people. The aisles shall wait upon me. What if we took the articles out where it said people? Would that be honest? Of course it wouldn't be honest. Yet the King James Version takes that article out here. Yahweh's house is a house of prayer for all the people of Israel. For all the people. The temple in Jerusalem was never a house of prayer for any people but Israel. Solomon would not even take the queen of Sheba into the temple. In fact, when the queen of the south, the queen of Sheba, visited Solomon, Solomon only showed her the way that he went up to the temple. He showed her the staircase. That's as far as she got. And that's as far as she was supposed to get by the Hebrew law. Even the second temple at the time of Christ had signs up on its perimeter forbidding anybody not circumcised from entering on pain of death. Some of those signs were found by archaeologists. They're described by Flavius Josephus, if I'm not mistaken. He mentions them. We see that in, um, in the book of Acts, where Paul of Tarsus was accused of taking uncircumcised men into the temple, making him liable for the penalty of death. Now, we understand that um, in Judea, they had been circumcising just about anybody, and there were all sorts of circumcised non-Israelites, but that didn't make it right. Christ told the Pharisees that their proselytes were twofold the children of hell 
but it was an extension of the religious law in Israel that only Israelites were allowed into the temple of God. My house would be called a house of prayer for all of the people would be correct. The article is there in Hebrew. To understand who all the people are when this passage is fulfilled, we must understand the entire context of Isaiah, that all of Israel's enemies shall be destroyed and that all of Israel shall be saved. First, from Isaiah chapter 41, from verse 11. Behold, all they that were incensed against thee shall be ashamed and confounded. They shall be as nothing, and they that strive with thee shall perish. Well, that eliminates a whole bunch of people from calling Yahweh's house a house of prayer. Thou shalt seek them, and shalt not find them. Even them that contended with thee, they that war against thee shall be as nothing, as a thing of naught. Consider that when you read passages like Revelation chapter 20, where Satan, or the devil, gathers every nation against the camp of the saints. And go back here to Isaiah 41.11 and 41.12 and see what Yahweh promises will happen to all those nations. Isaiah 45, verse 24. Surely shall one say, in Yahweh have I righteousness and strength. Even to him shall men come. And all that are incensed against him shall be ashamed. In Yahweh shall all the seed of Israel be justified and shall glory. And we just read from Isaiah 54, from verse 3, For thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left, and thy seed shall inherit the nations and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. Fear not. For thou shalt not be ashamed, neither be thou confounded. For thou shalt not be put to shame. For thou shalt forget the shame of thy youth, and shalt not remember the reproach of thy widowhood any more. For thy maker is thine husband. Yahweh of hosts is his name, and thy redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth, shall he be called. There is no room here for imagining that anyone but Israel could be included in Isaiah 56-7. And all the people are certainly all the people of Israel. Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 11 may make this even clearer. All of these prophecies in Isaiah are prophecies of Israel taken off scattered into their nations in captivity. And Yahweh says in Jeremiah chapter 30, For I am with thee, saith Yahweh, to save thee, though I make a full end of all nations, whither I have scattered thee. Yet will I not make a full end of thee, but I will correct thee in measure, and will not leave thee altogether unpunished. When Jeremiah chapter 30 is fulfilled, 
when Israel is saved, and when a full end of all the nations where Israel has been scattered has come to fruition, when this prophecy has been fulfilled, Yahweh will indeed be the God of the whole earth, and his house shall be a house of prayer for all the people, everyone that's left. For the context of whom all the people are, in Isaiah 56, 7, perhaps we could go back to Isaiah 51, 2. And it says, Look unto Abraham your father, and unto Sarah that bear you. For I called him alone, and blessed him, and increased him. For Yahweh shall comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places, and he will make her wilderness like Eden, and her desert like the garden of Yahweh. Joy and gladness shall be found therein, thanksgiving and the, thanksgiving and the voice of melody. Hearken unto me, my people, and give ear unto me, O my nation. For law shall proceed from me, and I will make my judgment to rest for a light of the people, not just people. My righteousness is near, my salvation has gone forth, and mine arm shall judge the people, not just people. The isles shall wait upon me, and on my arm shall they trust. Finally, from Isaiah chapter 45, from verse 14, Isaiah does tell us what's going to happen to these other people, in part. Thus saith Yahweh, the labor of Egypt and the merchandise of Ethiopia and of the Sabians. Remember Isaiah chapter. I'm sorry. Ezekiel. No, I'm sorry. Isaiah chapter 43, which we quoted earlier, where Yahweh said for, to Israel, For I am Yahweh thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. They were given up to his enemies for, on behalf of the children of Israel. That's what he's saying. Then in Isaiah chapter 45, verse 14, he mentions these same people yet again. Thus saith Yahweh, the labor of Egypt and the merchandise of Ethiopia and of the Sabians, men of stature, shall come over unto thee, and they shall be thine. They shall come after thee. In chains they shall come over, and they shall fall down unto thee. They shall make supplication unto thee, saying, Surely God is in me, and there is none else. There is no God. In other words, the Ethiopians, the Sabians, the Egyptians submit themselves to the Israelites and admit that Yahweh, their God, is the only God. Verily, thou art a God that hides thyself, O God of Israel, the Savior. And he says, they, even though they've done this, they shall be ashamed and also confounded, all of them. They shall go to confusion together that are makers of idols. But Israel shall be saved in Yahweh with an everlasting salvation. 
You shall not be ashamed or confounded, world without end. The man who thinks that Yahweh God can be the God of anyone but Israel, as here he wouldn't even accept the Egyptians, the Ethiopians, and the Sabians, that man is only another maker of idols. If you attempt to define God, you are an idolater. God defines God. His word tells us what and who he is. When man attempts to define God, man is only making idols. For that reason, we must understand our God from the entire scripture and not merely our own emotional assumptions based on a single verse taken out of context. Isaiah 56, 8 sums it all up. Yahweh God, who gathers the outcasts of Israel, says, Yet I will gather others to him besides those that are gathered unto him. And Isaiah 49 tells us who those others are, where it says, Who has begotten me these, seeing I have lost my children, and am desolate? And that is, the children which thou shalt have, the children into captivity, the nations which Israel became in captivity, after thou hast lost the other. Isaiah 49, 20 and 21. They are the outcasts of Israel and the others besides those that are gathered unto him. So we see that in Christ, God intends to gather nobody but the lost sheep, the outcasts of Israel. This alone should prove all of the assertions given here in the interpretations of Isaiah chapter 56. Nobody else has ever promised this gathering to God except the outcast of Israel. The entire Bible story is about this one family who are the chosen people of God, and none of them are Jews, who were put off by God with a promise of prosperity to become many nations and who will eventually be reconciled, and who were reconciled to God as God had promised in Christ. Daniel 9. The gathering of others to him besides those which are gathered to him is still inclusive only of Israelites because Yahweh gathers the outcasts of Israel. As Isaiah chapter 49 explains, the children of Israel had many children of which not even the children of Israel were cognizant. This is because those who departed from Israel, even at the earliest times, had spread themselves abroad. The children of Israel, even before the Assyrian captivity, had already come to colonize much of Europe by sea, all the way to the British Isles and the Scandinavian coasts. The Dorian Greeks, the Romans, and others were among these as well. Isaiah chapter 11, and it shall come
And it shall come to pass in that day that Yahweh shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people which shall be left from Assyria and from Egypt and from Pathros and from Cush and from Elam and from Shinar and from Hamath and from the islands of the sea. And he shall set up an ensign for the nations and shall assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah, not the Jews, from the four corners of the earth. Again, the focus is on the gathering of dispersed Israel and nobody else. Now, at the end of Isaiah chapter 56, we shall see a prophecy concerning universalism, which at this very moment is being fulfilled throughout the white Christian nations. All ye beasts of the field, Come to devour. Yeah, all ye beasts in the forest. Tell me that's not a parable about flooding Europe with niggers. His watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark. Sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Yeah, they are greedy dogs which can never have enough. And they are shepherds that cannot understand. All those churchmen and politicians that would sell your ass for some shekels. They all look to their own way, every one for his own gain from his quarter. Come ye, say. Come ye, they say. I will fetch wine, and we will fill ourselves with strong drink. And tomorrow shall be as this day, and much more abundant. And they think there is profit in universalism when in reality there is only destruction. Thank you for listening. Praise Yahweh. Next, next Saturday, Pastors Don Elmore and Mark Downey from the Fellowship of God's Covenant People talking about Christmas, the pagan holiday. Tomorrow at 2 p.m., Eastern Time. Sven Longshanks, Christiania Europe. The topic will be usury in medieval Europe. Praise Yahweh and good night.